Well, I got a note from a listener this week, and she said, I just want to give up on my stupid dreams. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, what do you think? Have you ever felt like that? Like you wish you had not had the big dream? You know, right now, Joanna and I are catching up on all the uh, series of Downton Abbey before the movie comes out next month. And uh, one of the little gals in the kitchen last night watching the segment, my goodness, somebody took her to the city and she just has been exposed to all these new possibilities. And it's just like, whoa, she's so unsatisfied with her current life because she's seen so many new possibilities. Well, you know the old adage, ignorance is bliss. Do you think your life would have been easier if you had known about the possibilities? You know, we see see people living like that sometimes. Well, last week, I talked about that whole idea, you know, should you follow your dreams and risk failing or protect yourself by not trying? Well, it initiated a whole lot of you sending in more questions, responses to the idea about following your dreams. So here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. And I'll tell you kind of an overview of how we're going to look at this. Here's a question. What do you do when circumstances, family situations, et cetera, keep you from the things you would really like to do? And then this one, this past week has left me feeling hopeless and I'm tired of waking up every morning in my house with my parents. I'm also losing my motivation and just want to settle and give up on my stupid dreams. And then a couple others, how do I do a job search if the position has already been posted? And then this one I want to park on a little bit as well, where somebody quoted me back and said, you just have to figure out what unique value you have to offer. And a listener wants to know, how do you do that? I just don't understand. Well, that's a legitimate question. And we're, we're going to look at that. I'm going to give you a four-step process for identifying your unique ability or what we like to call your zone of genius. Not just things you're good at. A lot of people get trapped in doing things they're really good at. I mean, I work with attorneys, physicians, dentists, pastors who have proven their ability to do what they do, but it's not their zone of genius. It's missing some elements. I'm going to give you a four-step process for doing that. Our quotation today comes from Napoleon Hill. And I hope by now you recognize that as the author of Think and Grow Rich, who said this, cherish your visions and your dreams as they are the children of your soul, the blueprints of your ultimate achievements. Think about that. Cherish your visions and your dreams. You know, without visions and dreams, there's a big gap in our lives. I mean, not having visions and dreams, it's like um, a car going down a freeway and all of a sudden you just pluck the driver out. Now, I know we have autonomous cars at this point, but I'm I'm talking in the the normal sense, you pluck the driver out. The car may still keep moving, but you really don't know where it's going to end up. Those visions and dreams give our lives direction, the blueprint of our ultimate achievements. Well, our resource then today is going to segue right from that. If you go to 48days.com slash dream, 
I've got four helpful resources there. These are just free resources to help inspire you on this journey. Four resources if you go to 48days.com slash dream. All right, let's get a couple good news items in here. There was a company in Singapore that was asked to build a hospital that would lower blood pressure, help patients be healthier. Can you imagine the idea of wanting to build a hospital that would make patients healthier where the building itself contributed to that? And when you think about that, it's pretty easy to understand. I mean, we all know environments where we walk in where we don't feel healthy, vital, and upbeat, or it's very discouraging, very depressing. Now, we know hospital environments can be stressful for anyone. You know, they've got that sterile smell and the drab decor, metallic sounds of medical equipment. Golly, I mean, I, I personally do not enjoy being in a hospital. Been a couple times in my life, but how do you, how do you get well when there's clanging all night long and every two hours somebody pops into the door, turns the light on? I mean, how are you going to get better in that kind of environment? Well, so this company was given the task of creating a hospital that would lower people's blood pressure. That really was the ultimate assignment for them. So what they did is they have more than 700 species of fragrant plants and trees that have been integrated into the structure and surroundings of this hospital in Singapore. They were commissioned to design the hospital in 2005. So it's been a while now that we've been able to see the effects of that. They wanted to create a hospital environment that soothed and uplifted its patients. And since being in nature has been shown to have dozens of physical and mental health benefits, they believe that having trees, natural greenery, to be the obvious solution. Well, in addition to the hospital now serving more than 800,000 patients since it opened its doors in 2010, a recent case study found that And I quote, the hospital's lush greenery and peaceful ambience have made it a popular spot for students seeking a conducive environment. So it's drawn other people in just to the environment of the hospital because it's such a healing place in the middle of a big city. So they have, you know, larger windows, increased airflow, some other things as well. But, and this is kind of the crowning achievement on top of all of this, The hospital has a volunteer-run rooftop garden with more than 100 species of fruit trees, 50 species of vegetables, 50 species of herbs, all of which are served then to the patients. So they've won a lot of awards. Well, it's just a cool idea. Now, we can apply this to our lives. You don't have to be in a hospital environment, but think about your own environment. When's the last time that you just got out and went for a walk in the woods or went to a park? I mean, sometimes, you know, people ask me about how I get the things done that I do. Well, I have a lot of variety in my day. Now, for one thing, I'm sitting, well, as I'm standing right now, of course, I stand when I record the podcast, I'm three feet in either direction from being outside. I mean, that close to windows and right outside, it's not, you know, just concrete and asphalt and another tall bit. No, it's grass. It's grass. I mean, I can walk 15 feet just out my front door and I hit the the beginning of the nature trail that leads back through the woods and over to my house. I can go another 15 feet and be on the zip line. I mean, a lot of things, but you know, that's very intentional. I mean, I moved out here from an office that was in town. It was still in a beautiful old house, but 
still in town. But here's the thing. There's a study in laboratory research, visual exposure to settings with trees has produced significant recovery from stress within five minutes as indicated by changes in blood pressure and muscle tension. Just being outside lowers our blood pressure. Being in connection. We had some people out here not too long ago and discovered that a mom and her little girl had never been barefoot outside. I thought, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. I mean, what a healing process that is to just walk through the grass barefoot. I mean, we've had my mastermind, I mean, grown, successful people where we just experience that together, just to go for a walk barefoot. Well, there's a whole lot of things we could add to that. You know, there are things that I do to relax for just five or 10 minutes. I may go out and just feel my bird feeders, walk down our long lane to get the mail. I mean, I love doing that. I don't walk down there because it's an inconvenience or really even with the primary purpose of getting the mail. Sometimes I go down two or three times before the mail comes. I'm never disappointed when I get to the mailbox and there's nothing there yet. It doesn't really matter because the primary value is in the walk down there. We have a cup of tea. I keep herbal tea with a little honey right here at my office so I can have that whenever I want. Well, lots of other things. I hope you're doing those things to give yourself a healing, peaceful environment as well. Now, here's another one. This doctor broke the law. This is in our good news tips here, and then I'll get to our questions. This doctor broke the law to engineer a better nursing home, and the death rate plummeted. Now, this all started... Again, we've got some time to see the effects of this. Started back in 1991 when the Harvard-educated physician was transferred from working in a stressful emergency room to being the medical director of a nursing home in upstate New York. The depressing and regimented environment got him thinking on what exactly could improve the residents' conditions. So even though animals in nursing homes were illegal at the time, Dr. Bill Thomas took a chance based on a hunch. He brought in two dogs, four cats, hens, rabbits, a hundred parakeets, a multitude of plants, a flower garden, and vegetable patch. Now, now listen to this. Check this out. This is again, this is in a nursing home. Now, you know what, what's expected in a nursing home. You drool on yourself and die. The change was dramatic. There was a 50% drop in medical prescriptions, along with a dramatic decrease in death rates. But most importantly, the residents were just simply happier. Now, that approach, and you can check it out, it's called the Eden Alternative, has opened the door for a whole lot of nursing homes to kind of model that. And Dr. Thomas now is a speaker, author of several books. Uh, He also has created a whole bunch of independently run residences, just houses with their own bedrooms and bathrooms called greenhouses, because he knows the value of instead of being in a big, monotonous building, just being in a small house with others. He said within six weeks of the changes that he made, they had to send a truck out to pick up all the wheelchairs (laughs) that people didn't need anymore. Well, great ideas. I love to see innovation in old static environments like hospitals and nursing homes. You can do You can implement those principles even where you are, where you are today. See what you can do to make your environment more of a healing place. You may want to bring some plants into your house. Joanne, my wife, is a master at creating a 
a haven of peace, you know, the title of her book, but, you know, creating a house where all of your senses are addressed. You walk into our house, you're going to see things, you're going to smell things, things to touch, taste. I mean, all those senses are just hit immediately to create this really warm, inviting environment. Well, let's go to some questions. Byron says, I appreciate your podcast. I'm trying to work through your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. My wife and I are former overseas missionaries who returned home in order to find help for our daughter who has some learning challenges. Our kids are teenagers now, and it seems that we should stay in the States until they are out of high school as going back overseas now would be disruptive to their lives. Neither my wife nor I can seem to find our place here in the States. We both have a college education, but for much of our lives, we focused on ministry overseas and what transferable skills we have seem to place us in low paying jobs here. Questions about mission, vision, and calling seem to indicate that our place is in ministry overseas, but we need to be here in the United States for now. Again, because of the needs of one of her children. Uh, What do you do when circumstances, family situations, et cetera, keep you from the things you would really like to do? Now, Brian, this is is a tough question because there's so many things that are kind of packed into this. And I I know I'm not going to do a fair job of addressing all the issues. But I'm wondering, if you're bringing hope, encouragement, whatever, however you would frame what you're doing overseas, how could that not be a need wherever you are here in the States? Point me to one geographic area in the United States that doesn't need what you feel you are offering overseas. Why does a change in geography change dramatically the value that you're able to bring? Now, now one thing that may be an under, and you haven't even addressed this, and I don't know the specifics, but if you're overseas, then, then you can ask for donations. You can come back to the States, go to churches, and expect people to provide support for you. You know, that, that's kind of an old traditional model. You know, maybe that's the issue, that you haven't figured out how to create your support. Now, certainly there are people who are doing that who work in the United States, but a lot of them have figured out something else as well to keep food on the table. What could you do that would provide income? And of course, we talk about ideas on here week after week after week. And in the 48 Days Eagles community, there's hundreds of people who are doing really creative things to create significant income. But I would encourage you to do that. Don't think that your vision, your calling, don't think that your calling limits you geographically only one or two places in the world where you can carry that out. I don't think that's true for any of us in a way that God calls us. So I'd encourage you to get more creative about how you can put legs on your calling, your mission, mission, your vision right here. I mean, come to Nashville, Tennessee. There's a whole lot of places that could use what you have to offer. If in fact you were effective when you were overseas. Again, I don't think geography is the, the key factor in this at all. I think it's your ability to see what God has called you to and to see the opportunities to do that right where you are now. Kristen. Okay. Kristen is one who wants to give up on her stupid dreams. <laughs> now she says, Oh no, Kristen, I wish I knew how old you were. That would kind of help frame this. But again, you say I've been laid off since May of this year. I've found myself at rock bottom. I'm currently freelancing for a local newspaper, but I struggle to find full-time work or a job I love, which involves writing. 
This past week has left me feeling hopeless, and I'm tired of waking up every morning in my house with my parents. I'm also losing my motivation and just want to settle and give up on my stupid dreams. How do I get myself out of this rut and end up where I'm supposed to be? Wow. Love your question. And I, I love your starting point. I mean, the fact that you're frustrated, you know, my, my functional medicine doctor with whom I had, have had amazing success this last year, just absolutely transformative. I just sent him another note about some things that have happened that just blew my mind in my increasing abilities physically. But anyway, he says, there are two things that motivate us best. One is pain and one is feeling good. I mean, think about it. Those two things motivate us. So the fact that you are in pain, that you're miserable, that you're feeling hopeless, you're losing your motivation. I mean, obviously recognizing and stating those things as you are is a motivator for you to find new solutions. So you reduce the pain. That's what we do when we're in pain. We find ways to reduce the pain. If you want to be a writer, you can be a writer. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you as somebody, writing has served me extremely well. I love writing. It's, my, it's in my unique ability, my zone of genius that we're going to talk about in a little bit. That's my happy place. There's nothing I would rather be doing than thinking, reading, assimilating content, and writing. Writing things that are going to challenge and inspire my readers to discover and initiate their own greatness. I mean, that's what I want to do. If you, if you want to write, then there are certainly opportunities for you to write. Now, here's the challenge in terms of how you frame this. And you'll understand this if you've been a 40 Days listener for any period of time. It may be challenging to find a J-O-B that pays you a guaranteed salary every week to write. Now that, that will tend to be a low income kind of position because it's easy to find people who have you know, grammatical skills, they understand semantics, syntax, and whatever, and they can put words together. That, that's not that unique ability if you just look for somebody else to pay you to sit down and put words on a paper. You say you're freelancing for a local newspaper, so you know hopefully you're getting a few bucks here and there, but you can increase that. I mean, you can just look for better opportunities. Now, there's a couple of things I'm going to recommend for you. One is to get the 2019 edition, the 19th edition of it, but the writer's market, writer's market, just W-R-I-T-E-R apostrophe S market. Just jump on Amazon, get the brand new version, get the deluxe version because it's got um, the audio components where you can go right in and you can pull up magazines, newspapers, publishers that are looking for great content in particular areas and it shows what they will pay. For that. Now you can do that. I mean, we had a lady come through our coaching mastery program and I realized about three months in that she was not really excited about coaching. She saw that as just a necessary stepping stone to get her to writing. I said, my goodness, forget coaching. Just be a writer if that's what you want to do. Let's figure out. She is working for a company. Now, now working for it. No, she's not an employee. She doesn't go into the office. They want her to create it's, um, if I could think of it, I'd tell you, it's not National Geographic, but it's a national magazine like that, big magazine. She writes two articles a month for them. She researches the articles. They want, they want uh, 3,000 word articles. 
She writes two of those. They pay her a dollar a word. So if you do the math on that, it's $6,000. Her home is paid for. She's finished. She's done. She's a happy camper. She writes two articles a month for one publication. Now, there are publications out there that give you information about that. At Podcast Movement, ran into uh, Kamanzi and Cindy Constable. Uh, Kamanzi has, golly, went from, I mean, his story, I'm going to have an updated his story in the 20th anniversary edition of 48 Days to the Work You Love that's going to be released in February. Uh, excited about that. Going to have uh, Kamanzi's story in there, but he was a bread truck delivery driver in Minnesota, working in the cold, getting up at 4.30 in the morning. He was extremely overweight and he read, got, got a hold, he heard Pat Flynn talk about Dan Miller and he got my book, 48 Days. He sat down in one sitting and went right straight through that. He just told Joanna me this story this last week at Podcast Movement. He went right through it in one sitting and he thought, I can change my life. You know, this Dan Mellert says I can do these things and live out my dream. Well, he did. He lost 170 pounds, moved his family to Hawaii, and he does consulting, speaking all over the world, and it just has some amazing opportunities that he has created. But one of the things he does is teach people how to write and get paid for it. Now, a recent post of his, I just pulled it up here so I can look at it as we're talking, but... BBC Britain pays $5 per word per article. So they're looking for articles on how entrepreneurs can build their business in Europe. Um, and some other things. You know, will history repeat itself in your business? How do you unite a country around your cause? They, got, they tell you what they want content of. And if you do the research and write an article, $5 a word. Wow, an average article. If an article is 2,000 words... Oh, that's $10,000 for one article. Workforce Magazine pays $3 per word per article. And they give some ideas that they wouldn't like, like five surefire signs all your best employees want to quit right now. Uh, the latest worker depression and how to avoid you know depression in the workplace. So yeah, Essence, another magazine, pays $3 a word per article. Consumer Reports pays $3 a word per article. So you want to do some research on a new product or service. And uh, so they, again, give you, give you examples. Here's what you need to know before choosing Apple or Android. Three reasons why entrepreneurs might not buy the 2019 MacBook Pro. I mean, so they give you examples. If you go do, do the work, there's a whole lot of things like that. Now, this is not going to be a job where you sit in a cubicle all week long and you get a paycheck on Friday. But if you put together an opportunity, a couple opportunities where you can make five, $6,000 a month, I am pretty certain that's going to be more income than you're going to get in a job where they pay you to write. So if you take the initiative to do that, I mean, in our 48 days community, we got people like Jennifer Harshman. She edits people's books for them. What if you had a book? 180 page book. And all you're going to do is just go through and edit where you, you show where there should be a comma or add one where there's not, you know, or take one out, whatever, you know, just suggest gee, a different word. So you go through and you just edit. I mean, it's a process. I mean, we certainly do it with everything that I put out I Have editors that go through, but let's say it's $1,200. I mean, that would be a, a common kind of fee. And let's say that it takes you two days to do that. And you do four of those a month. So you got eight 
focused work days a month. And in that example, what I, that'd be what, $4,800 to do that. Now I just used an example, but those are real examples. And you can, I mean, you can talk to Jennifer Harshman, get ideas about what she's doing. Nick Pavlidis is in the 48 days Eagles. Nick has found his sweet spot in ghostwriting. Now Nick is really good and he's turning out books that are going on to be on the, on the New York times list, USA list. I could give you some titles, but, uh, you know, books that he's done recently. And he now is in the $50,000 category for taking somebody's story and crafting it into a book. Now that's a little more involved, obviously, but ghostwriting, but let's say you only did four of those a year. So you spent a couple months doing one, you know, so only four of those a year. Well, at that rate, that would be 200,000. Again, that would probably be significantly more than you can expect to get in a job. But those are things, I mean, again, you, you're probably Christian. You're probably really close to a really big dream success story here, but you just have to look at it through a new lens. Don't be looking in the classifieds for a job that's going to pay for writing. Look at how you can take your great writing and put legs on it in a way where you're in the driver's seat and you blow the roof off the ceiling in terms of income, where you can get out of your parents' house and go on to live the kind of life that you want to. Well, let's move on. My gosh, I love that. Love that question. But I got some more we want to get to. Here's one from uh, Andrew. This he left me a quick audio message. Let's listen to this. Hi, Dan. This is Andrew. In 48 Days to the Work You Love, you mentioned that your best opportunity to, uh, for a position with a company is to contact them before they advertise they have an opening. I work for a government agency and a promotion that I would like to get has already been advertised and they are accepting applications until the end of the month. In light of that, how should my approach to the job search process change? I appreciate any guidance you can give me and I thank you for everything that you guys are doing over there at uh, 48 Days. Thanks. Well, thank you, Andrew. Now, now in 48 Days, I mean, I talk about the fact that I prefer that you not just respond to jobs that have been posted, but you contact companies you want to work with even before they post anything, describing to them what value you bring. What are the unique skills that you bring to the table? I mean, that's the best way to find opportunities. And frankly, that's the way we find the 87% of jobs that we consider that are in the hidden market. They're never promoted anywhere because people take the initiative and find them they never get listed anywhere. Now, that being said, so you're in a government organization, they've already posted a position, just go through the standard procedure, you know, apply. Now, you know, because it's already been posted, government position, they're going to have hundreds of applications. So it's going to be more challenging. What you want to do is do creative things to get on the radar of the people who are decision makers in that organization. It's going to be much more standardized. In a government organization, they're going to be looking at degrees, certifications, years of experience, those kind of things. It's not going to be nearly as creative about just selecting somebody that they like or somebody that has really great personal skills. So what I would encourage you to do, though, if that is a position that you want, apply to other companies outside of the government where you could use those same skills. So broaden your job search, not just to one tiny opportunity that you see right under your nose, but 
find those 20 to 30 companies out there that could use the skills that you would use in that position as well and do a regular job search with them. You're going to, that's the way you'll uncover opportunities that you may not realize actually exist out there. Claudia says, hi, Dan, love the story of the young man being a distributor for a high-end bathroom fixture. How would I go about finding a product such as this? One that is high dollar and able to be drop shipped or printed like I have Googled some things, but wondering if there's a resource I'm missing besides just looking into companies and inquiring after brainstorming. Well, Claudia, yeah, you're, you're talking about Michael. Um, matter of fact, I'm having lunch with Michael this week to kind of catch up on what he's doing as he's, he's expanding uh, what he's done. I had him interview with me and I've talked about his story here on the podcast as well, where he selected a high-end bathroom fixture as one. Now, now he didn't have any background experience in bathroom fixtures. It was something he selected. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to do the same thing Michael did. Just explore. Just explore. Explore 500 ideas. Find something that you seem to have an affinity for. Maybe where you have a little bit of understanding already. Something you care about. You do that. Don't try to just model what the guy down the street did. Especially when it comes to this online selling. Just find something, just be creative, but then learn the system. See, the key with Michael's success is not that he found the one right idea. It's that he learned the system of how to do this, how to position it, how to run, you know, how to use Google words, you know, to get people to come in, you know, how to get people's attention, how to get four or five different manufacturers for the same kind of product. So he could give people some variety as they made their choices. You know, how to get people to do the, the videos of the products, the photos to get them up there. You know, he, he's got, he created a whole system. So there's nothing magical about the product he chose at all. You have to learn the system. Now, again, our resource, and I'll put it in here, you know, if, well, yeah, Michael doesn't even use Amazon. So he's not using Amazon, but you can learn a lot from the people who are using Amazon in terms of how to do the online selling. And I'll put a link to that. We, we endorse the proven Amazon course, my buddy, Jim Cockrum. That's the only resource that I really promote for online selling. And you can learn a lot of the principles there to get you started. But again, the key is not in just some magic right product. It's in learning the system. Michael could unplug that product today. I guarantee you, he could unplug that product today, plug in one of 20 other products in and have the same success because it's the system that creates the profits, not the item itself. Laura says, I'm drawn to your mission and vision. Your words inspire hope in my spirit. Boy, I love that. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate that. I have worked at the same hospital for 32 years. I've worked in occupational health for the past 20 years, caring for injured employees and complying with healthcare workers, OSHA requirements. In 2009, the Lord called me to serve older adults throughout the past 10 years. He's confirmed his calling by sending me 15 people, most of them over 60 in need of my assistance. I offered assistance in filing for state and or federal benefits, patient education, processing bills, taking blood pressures, et cetera. I'm ready to monetize my passion. Now here's Lord's question. Is there a way I can intertwine my business geared toward older adults and Carrie Olson's voiceover content? Is this a viable option or will voiceover derail me? I'm frequently 
complimented on my voice would appreciate your insight and direction. All right, Laura, I think you've got two totally different things here. It's really hard for me. I thought about this a little bit as I was pulling these questions together. I don't see how these complement each other. I don't see any synergy between the two where because you are helping older adults with the needs that they have, you know, how to get benefits, reprocessing bills, taking blood pressure. I don't see how that is going to relate to. Now, if you've got a great voice, fantastic. You'll be a soothing force energy with the people that you're working with. But I think you're talking about two totally unrelated things here. That doesn't mean you can't do both. You may not want to do the services for elderly people five days a week. You may want to do that three days a week and do voiceover one day a week. Now, Carrie Olson is the gal, O-L-S-E-N. We refer people to her course all the time. She's helped a lot of people get up and running. She was a stay-at-home mom and wanted to generate a little income so she could add to the family income but not have to leave the home, leave her babies at home. So she does voiceover. Well, that has worked extremely well. Her husband, Derek, quit his job to simply support her and what she's doing. She does voiceover and then she has a course and teaches other people how to take advantage of those options as well. But I think these are two different things, Laura. I don't think they really complement each other. So I think you would just simply have to decide, okay, I'm going to do this a couple days a week and do this a couple days a week. And it sounds like both fun things to do. In general, I do prefer things that complement each other. So if I speak, it fuels product sales. It fuels requests for coaching. It fuels people getting involved in 48 Days Eagles. You know, it fuels people coming into our coaching mastery. And any of those are the same. Any one of those where somebody comes in, it opens them up to the other things that I do. So I use that Venn diagram three interlocking circles. We have seven different areas of income and activity and any one fuels activity in the others. I don't think you've got that going here, but again, I I think they're both good choices. If those are things you care about, just create a schedule that allows you to do both. All right. Now here's where I want to, I want to spend a little time on this one. Michael from Atlanta quotes me And I I know I say this a lot. You just have to figure out what unique value you have to offer. Well, Michael kind of got stuck there. He says, how do you do that? I just don't understand. I know what I can do well, and I know what I like to do, but there are plenty of people who can do the same thing. I've read 48 days. I know more Mondays. Lots of people who have the same question. Um, I still can't imagine even a first step that I could do toward that goal. All right, Michael, grab a pen and paper here. And I'll put this in the notes so you have it. There is a process for doing this, for identifying your unique value. I recently went through this as part of my involvement in Strategic Coach, where I made a list of 40 things why was it a list of 40? Because that's how many blanks there were on a paper. Should have been 48. I should add a few. But I made a list of 40 things, not knowing what was coming next. So just things that I do as part of having a small business. So everything, I just, I just put things in there. Then when I went to Chicago for one of my days, I was asked to pull that sheet out. And then I had to group those in four categories. Now, the four categories were incompetent activities, 
competent activities, excellent activities, and unique ability activities, or what we're going to call zone of genius. So how do these break down? All right, again, so I would encourage you to do the same. Make a list of 40 things that you know you can do, you have the ability to do. Incompetent activities. Now, here's what, here's what I discovered when I did this for myself. In these four different areas, incompetent, competent, excellent, zone of genius, 25% of what I put on my list fell in the incompetent activities. 18% incompetent, 32% in excellent, and 25% in zone of genius. My goal is to increase that zone of genius activities from 25 to 75% so that I spend 75% of my time there. Now, let me give you some examples here. Incompetent activities. You know, when you do these things, God, you, you experience perhaps failure, frustration, stress. You know, you, you, you hate doing these things, but it may seem like they're just things that, that need to be done. So in my category there, incompetent activities, you know, packing and shipping orders. I mean, I, I still do that. My gosh, nobody's here. An order comes in. I'll just run back into the storage room, pull it, package it, print the label, put it on, have it ready to go. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a break in my routine. I probably shouldn't do that, but I do that. Evaluating new apps and software. Guy, I do a lot of online our banking things where I go into our PayPal accounts and transfer money over into our banking accounts. When I spray for bugs around a sanctuary, I would, I, I do that, do that myself, you know, replacing toner and a printer, you know, ordering paper, paper clips or whatever. I mean, those are things I do. And those definitely fell in that incompetent activity. Now this is, you know, this is a fun activity to do. I mean, there are some things that I'm always going to do. I mean, if I'm out here weeding, it's not because, I can't get somebody else to do it. It's because I know it's a nice mental break for me to do that. Or I described earlier, you know, walking down to get the mail. I mean, certainly I could have somebody else do that, but it, it's a nice break for me. So not everything that you may think falls into that incompetent area is something that you just want to eliminate. But if it's something that's frustrating to you, yeah, then probably you're going to want to get rid of it. Now, competent activities. So this is the next one. These are things where you're pretty good Yeah, not great but you're okay. But there's probably a lot of people who could do these things better than you can with a whole lot less effort. Now, sometimes like in a small business, sometimes, you know, we get trapped in hanging on to these things just because they create cash flow. But for me, some of those things were, you know, handling the mail, paying bills, bookkeeping, uh, scheduling my own flights, um, handling that setting up all the details for our mastermind events. I mean, I, I talked earlier this afternoon, I talked to a caterer about providing a meal for our next mastermind event. I talked to a couple of restaurants about closed secluded space. We could book for just our mastermind. Well, those are things that fall in a competent area. You know, there's other people that could do that a whole lot better than I, but, I, but they're still part of what I do. Excellent activities is the next category. Now, these are things where you really are good. You've got a great reputation for doing that, but you're not really passionate about them. I mean, in some cases, you might not even enjoy these at all. But it might be hard to get out of doing these because you are good at doing those. 
Now, when I think about some of the things again, that I do, we have every, every Monday, we have a, a Monday mentor call in our Eagles community. I usually host those. You know, I have a guest in, but I usually host this. I could hand that off to somebody else. I mean, my daughter Ashley is very competent at doing that. I mean, things like a uh, new course creation. Um, even, even like doing podcast interviews, people want to know about the principles at 48 days, you know, the things that have allowed us to be successful. You know, I could have somebody else be available for speaking or podcast interviews, but I still do those things. Those fall into that excellent category. And then we come to zone of genius. What is it that only you can do? What is it that you love to do and you do best? I mean, you have a really great talent in this area that other people notice and value and you love doing it. You want to do it as much as possible. It's energizing for you and others. You keep getting better at doing it. I mean, that's, those are things that I do. Like my writing falls in there, you know, coaching individuals. I mean, yesterday I had a really full day of coaching. I told Joanne last night, I said, you know, there were things that happened in my coaching that I could not even explain. It was one of those anointed times where you knew there was wisdom passing through me that really went beyond my abilities. It, I, I just brought things together. There were some things that happened were just beyond explanation. That's in my zone of genius. I mean, I've experienced that over the years in working with people, you know, leading groups, doing live calls, now, that's what you want to do. See, that's what you want to do, Michael, to figure out what you think value. Go through and list all the things. Try to make a list of 40 or 50 things that you do, things you know you do, and then do that categorization. Incompetent, competent, excellent, zone of genius. And it's those things that get into your zone of genius that allow you to know what unique value you have to offer. A lot of people get trapped in an area of excellence. Again, it's not uncommon that I work with attorneys, physicians, dentists, pastors, engineers, accountants. They've proven their ability to do what they do very well. But they're not passionate about it. Somebody else could step in and do the same thing. We look for what is that zone of genius? One of my coaching calls yesterday was with a, a gentleman who has been an executive with Chick-fil-A. He's been with them for 22 years. We talked about he and his wife have gotten certification to do grief counseling through their church, marriage counseling. So we were going through all the different things that he knows he has the ability to do. I mean, obviously there's things connected with his work, the human resource side of work where he's been involved, where he's proven his ability over a long period of time. They value him there. The workers love him. The company loves him. I said, oh my gosh, but let me ask you this. It's when you talk about having that 18 year old come to work for you and you help them define what their dream is, where they want to be five years from now. And you help them walk that out, see them leave the organization with you, which Chick-fil-A is known for, you know, not trying to create golden handcuffs, but launching people into higher levels of achievement in other places. I said, that's when you really are passionate. We were on a Zoom call so I could see him. I said, that's when you lean in, your eyes light up, 
your whole body tells me that's where your passion is. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's right. But he said, you know, could I really do that? And I said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. That's in your zone of genius. Let's forget about these things where you're competent, where you're excellent. Let's move into your zone of genius. Make that, wow, make that what you become known for. Incidentally, he's a, we've got a, a term he's going to use and I'm going to, I'm not going to share it. I'd love to share it because I think it's so cool, but I want to make sure that he's had time to get the domains, to get the URLs. We checked and the URL plural and singular are available. As soon as he has secured those, I'll share those with you. But it has to do with dreaming and it has to do with exactly what he described, his ability to help these young people define and then walk into their dreams. Well, our resource, as you know, our resource for today was 48days.com slash dream. Incidentally, these are real life questions. As you know, if you got a question or a success story about living out your dream or some other success story, but uh, feel free to shoot it into me. Just send it to askdan at 48days.com. Easiest way to get it in there, askdan at 48days.com. Again, that resource, 48days.com slash dream. We'll give you four helpful resources to help you move along toward what it is that you want to do. And again, our quotation for today was cherish your visions and your dreams as they are the children of your soul, the blueprints of your ultimate achievements. Boy, I love that. I love how that is so so clear in terms of what it sets us up for. Visions and dreams are the children of your soul. That's a pretty heavy statement right there. The blueprints of your ultimate achievements. Hey, you don't have to be stuck in a J-O-B. You can move on out. Thanks for being part of this growing community where we together, we believe we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.